Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to Basketball Conference, the ACC Football Podcast. My name's Joey Weaver. He's Mike McDaniel. Mike, it's another road game again this week. I am uh, trying to deal with the uh, the South Texas Hotel internet, and uh, this is going to be a bumpy road, I got a feeling. I'm, I'm over here laughing because I get like every third or fourth word that you say, and then I try to piece it together as best I can, so we'll see how we do here. Well, I didn't hear what you just said, but I'm just going to guess that it had something to do with lacking internet. So this is certainly going to be an interesting podcast here. Um, Let's start out real quick. So we record here Tuesday night. We just got a hot-off-the-presses, fresh slate of uh, college football playoff rankings. This week was not particularly kind to the ACC, as uh, a couple of teams that lost last week totally drop out, and so the, the conference itself falls from five ranked teams down to three uh still in the playoff picture right now we got number four clemson and number five louisville uh there's also florida state moves up to number 17 and then virginia tech falls victim to georgia tech they drop out of the rankings as do the north carolina tar heels who fell victim to duke and we talked about this a little bit before we came on but it seems like I feel like Virginia Tech's getting a little bit harshly punished here. I, I feel like they probably still deserve to be in the picture. You said something about Virginia Tech. Uh, yeah, no, I think they got a little bit harshly discriminated against here. I mean, I think it's uh, obviously a pretty bad loss to Georgia Tech, right? But for them to fall completely out of the rankings from number 14, I thought that was a little bold of the committee, especially when they left Texas A&M in, in the top 25. Um, I think that's a little bit of the SEC bias playing out there. Uh, North Carolina falling out of the ranking, not a huge surprise. They had a brutal loss to Duke. It was a road game, but when you consider the fact that the schools are like, you know, a stone's throw away from each other, it's not really that big of a road game, and that's not that imposing of an environment, obviously, there. Uh, at whatever the hell Duke Stadium is called, Walls Wade. Um, Florida State, number 17. I- I'm sorry, Seminoles fans, because at number 17, you'll probably lose this week. That's been a theme. And then I think what we saw out of the top four anyway, um, I know that Clemson obviously is the lone ACC team in the playoff right now uh, with Louisville coming in at number five. Uh, the-, the committee clearly values the head-to-head um, of Clemson over Louisville. I value head-to-head as well if I'm thinking about the rankings, but my whole issue with this is that Clemson has a loss to Pittsburgh. Louisville's loss is in Death Valley to Clemson. Um, who has the worst loss? I believe Clemson does, and I think Louisville right now is the better football team than Clemson is. Um, say what you want about Louisville's um, you know, near near fall uh, against Virginia 
about a month ago. Say what you want about Louisville's struggles against Duke. Um, the Duke win now that Louisville kind of struggled to about you know a little over a month ago looks a little bit better now that Duke knocked off a team like North Carolina. I think that gives them a little bit more credibility. Uh, and, and then you consider the game this past weekend. I think the committee perhaps is putting a little bit too much stock into Louisville struggling with Wake Forest for three quarters. Um, I know some of the analysts on ESPN tonight when I was watching the, uh, the preview show or whatever you call it when they were releasing the rankings, uh, you know, they come out and they say that, you know, well, Clemson wins the head-to-head, Louisville, you know, they kind of struggled against Wake Forest. Well, that's not entirely true. I mean, they, they struggled for three quarters, but then they won the game 44-12. I mean, it was a 34 to nothing run in the fourth quarter, so... Uh, you know, I think Louisville is getting maybe a little bit of the short end of the stick. You know, in my opinion, Louisville blows out Florida State. Clemson beats Florida State, but not nearly as soundly. Uh, you know, in my opinion, I, I think Louisville right now is a better football team than Clemson, even though Clemson might have the better athletes. So, I don't know. It's it's a toss-up, I guess, but the committee values the head-to-head more, I guess, right now than they do maybe necessarily seeing who the better football team is. Right now, I think it's Louisville, but the committee thinks it's Clemson. I, I'm with you on this one, Mike. One of the things that I would point out as well is that Louisville has the best player in the country right now. They've got a guy in Lamar Jackson who I recently saw is at 1-50 to 50 odds to win the Heisman Trophy, meaning you would have to bet $50 on him to win one if he wins the Heisman Trophy. Um, that is astronomical odds that you don't ever see. He's the best player in the country. You can't. There's no doubt about that. Nobody's arguing that. And the other thing is that we... There's been so many times this season that we've had questions and concerns and complaints about games that Clemson has played. Like, it's been a lot more common that we've had issues with it than we've said, yes, Clemson really owned that game the way that they should have, and they are playing like a team that should be in the playoff. And so part of me thinks that maybe they're getting a little bit of a bump by the fact that they were in the playoff last year, almost won the national title. Um, Although it should be remembered that they won both of their biggest games at home against Louisville and on the road against Florida State. So Credit where credit is due, but ultimately, I'm with you. I think that I would have a lot more confidence in Louisville as a playoff team right now representing the ACC than I would have in Clemson, especially given that they they got the defensive performance that they did this weekend against Pittsburgh, and that's really been the unit that they've ridden all year long. Are you done talking? talking. All right. (laughs) (laughs) So... Say that we've, we're, we're not cutting any of this out, by the way. This is fantastic. Oh, man. This is, a, uh, this is something. Um, I, I think it's probably responsible if we make this a speed run here, Mike. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, for the uh, listener's sake. No, no, uh, the, last, the last thing I heard was, was you talking about Clemson's defense and uh, how they struggled against Pittsburgh. Um, I, I'm with you. I mean, I think Louisville has the better defense right now. Then Clemson, I, I think there are a number of things you can point to with Louisville's team right now um, where you could say, yeah, I think Louisville's just playing better. I think they have a, you know, a unit or two or three across the board that might be more solid and more consistent than Clemson's, even though Clemson perhaps has better athletes and should, you know, in a best-case scenario for each team, probably beat Louisville 
by seven to ten points. Uh, we, you know, we saw that obviously in Death Valley, but if you see the best version of Clemson and the best version of Louisville, I think the best version of Clemson is still able to win the game on the road at Louisville, but that's not what we're seeing right now. And I think that if that game head-to-head was played um, at Louisville, I think Louisville comes out and wins that game. It wasn't like you're sitting there thinking, man, Louisville was sitting there um, in that game completely outmatched. Um, this was a game, obviously, that they were driving down the field to win. They were a couple of yards away from converting on a fourth down, and they could have just as easily won that game as Clemson did. So, And then we're talking about Clemson with two losses um, and, and not even in this discussion, and there's there's no argument that Louisville's the best, you know, one of the best teams in the country. Shoot, they'd probably be sitting at number two if they beat Clemson, but that's hypotheticals right now at this point. Last thing before we move on, Mike, I, I, I told you before as well that I – I can't help but feel a little bit responsible for this situation. Before Clemson played Florida State a few weeks ago, I talked about the potential doomsday scenario of Clemson losing a game in the regular season, going to the ACC championship game, and losing there. And does Louisville make it in, or does Clemson make it in, or does nobody make it in? And Clemson's starting to look shaky down the stretch with likely a matchup against Virginia Tech in the championship game. Please, I just, I hope that those chickens don't come home to roost. I gotta hope that Clemson can uh, survive, and whoever's gonna win it, I just hope that they win it and and are convincing about it. I, I don't know. This thing could easily become a, a mess if uh, if if that really does end up happening. You know what I'm, you know what I'm waiting for here, Joey. I'm waiting for Notre Dame to upset. Well, actually, Notre Dame's favored. Believe it or not, but I'm waiting for Notre Dame to beat Virginia Tech this weekend. Virginia Tech to go into the ACC oh. championship after a win against Virginia, have four losses, and then upset Clemson. And then you're sitting here with a two-loss Clemson, who still owns the head-to-head over Louisville, with losses to Pittsburgh and Virginia Tech. At that point, Louisville is absolutely the team that's in over Clemson. But then you have a scenario where it's Louisville, a team that didn't win their conference championship, going head-to-head against a two-loss Big Ten champion that could potentially be either Wisconsin or Penn State, and a one-loss Pac-10, uh, Pac-12 champion. I, Pac-10, what are we, what is this, 97? Uh, a one-loss Pac-12 champion in Washington. That would be a nightmare scenario for the college football playoff committee. If that's the case, I'm inclined to say, hey, you pick the best team. Uh, in my opinion, the best team out of out of those three um, would probably be Louisville, although I believe you could make a, a pretty compelling argument for a two-loss Big Ten champion Wisconsin to get in over a one-loss Louisville. But I, I think regardless, um, the winner of the Pac-12, even if it's Washington, uh, will not be represented uh, in, the, in the college football playoff. I think it's too, too hard of a hill to climb here because – I don't think the Pac-12 is is nearly as good as the ACC or the Big Ten this year. Yeah, time will tell on how the committee treats this. Um, I didn't hear all of what you said, but I'm sure you had some great points in there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> let's let's move on, Mike, before this degrades anymore. Let's talk about some Week 12 action. And we'll actually start with the Louisville Cardinals, the number five Louisville Cardinals right now, 9-1. and one. On the road on Thursday night at the Houston Cougars, I'll actually be at this game. Uh, this is this is the game that they've had circled on their calendars ever since the end of the Clemson game. And I don't know if it loses luster given the struggles that Houston has had here through the middle part of the season. 
but this is Louisville's last big opportunity to make a statement and and show that they are worthy of being in the college football playoff here, Mike. Yeah, I mean, Houston, uh, they aren't who we thought they were, but I still think they're a pretty good team. I mean, they're they're an 8-2 and two team that has a couple of tough losses, but uh, they're a team that still has the athletes and the offense to compete with Louisville. The big question here is, can they score on Louisville's defense? Uh, if they can, I think this is going to be a heck of a game. It's going to be a shootout. If they can't, I could see Louisville winning this game going away, which is a scenario I did not necessarily envision it being at the year when you and I previewed this game uh, when going through Louisville's schedule. I think you and I were saying, okay, well, Louisville could have a pretty good team and go into this Houston game. And we're sitting here thinking, man, if Houston knocks off Louisville, Louisville might be undefeated at that point in time. You know, then what happens? Um, well, now we got a one-loss Louisville playing against an eight and two Houston. We were actually expecting Houston to be undefeated at this time, and perhaps maybe they were the ones making noise in the college football playoff, even over Louisville. Uh, and maybe Louisville goes into that game as an underdog. Well, now the Cardinals enter this game a fourteen-point favorite. Lamar Jackson—they got all the weapons on offense. I think Louisville's just a better football team, and uh, I think they'll. They'll win this road game against Houston um, on Thursday night. Obviously, it's it won't be an easy place to play. You know, Houston will definitely get up for that game. They still have a very talented team. Tom Herman's a heck of a coach. Uh, but I like the Cardinals uh, to win this game. I, I think they could cover 14, but I wouldn't bet money on it. Um, I, I think it's a game that Houston can definitely keep up with the Cardinals scoring-wise. But I think Louisville's defense will make just enough plays to win this football game. I could see this game going any number of ways, Mike. Um like you said, I could see Houston's been very inconsistent this year. They, they're eight and two, and they could easily be like six and four. Um, there's a couple of games they also could have lost. They they just haven't been consistent, especially since really the end of September. And so for that reason, I could see Louisville running away with it. Um, they are also talented. That's going to be a good environment. They they've still got a decent defense, and so for that reason, I could see Houston covering here, but maybe Louisville winning a close one. And frankly, I could also see Houston just winning this thing outright. Um, and that's a scary thought, too, especially if your Louisville is laying an egg at this point would completely doom any playoff hopes that you had left. Um, I could Again, so I could see this thing going any number of ways. But I think ultimately Louisville, Louisville should and will win this game. I don't want to commit to a margin here. I think two touchdowns on the spread is just too much to really – put a lot of weight behind, um, but I think it's the, the difference maker in this game is probably the, the psychological state of Houston. Um, they, that team started playing extremely differently after losing the first game to Navy. They, they just don't look like they are all focused and there and, and in on this season and committed to really trying to win every game. I don't think it helps that the talk of the town is – where is their where is their coach going to be coaching next year? And just presuming that it's not Houston. And I, I could easily see, you know, Louisville scores on their first two possessions, goes up fourteen to nothing, and Houston just quits, and they just don't have it. So I feel comfortable saying Louisville wins this game. I don't want to commit to a margin even compared to the spread because I could see it either way. But I'm with you. Definitely give me Louisville in this game. I think you stopped talking reason. again. So I, think. <laughs> <laughs> I did. Real quick, I'll give you a score prediction. Uh, give me Louisville 
42-28. So that's right at the 14-point spread. Nice, 42-28. Um, God, I don't even want to go near a scoring margin. My my record here in odds and wagers has been so good. We'll get to that later in the show, but it's been so solid all year <laughs> long. I think I'll, uh, at 4-7, and seven, I think I'll refrain from making a score prediction here. Um, I could just as easily see Louisville covering and blowing out Houston as I could see Houston hanging in this game. So uh, I think 14 points is about right. I'm going to be with you on that one. Definitely. Let's move on, Mike. The game that you're going to be at, you're, you're back to uh, world traveler Mike McDaniel status. I am. That I am. You will be you will be in South Bend this weekend watching your Virginia Tech Hokies take on your Notre Dame Fighting Irish. The the Irish here, <laughs> as you referred to earlier, a one-point favorite, 3.30 p.m. on NBC. Are you as surprised as I am that Notre Dame is favored in this game, Mike? I'm surprised, yeah. Um, I, I think people are putting a little bit too much stock into Georgia Tech's win over Virginia Tech uh, in Blacksburg. Uh, it was a bad loss for Virginia Tech, but... I don't think it's a necessarily the sky is falling type loss. Uh, I think it was just another one of those classic Virginia Tech letdown games that they seem to have once or twice a year, um, as sad as it is to say. Uh, as far as my world traveler status, this is my third straight weekend on the road. Uh, was at Duke, Virginia Tech two weeks ago, last weekend in Blacksburg for the Virginia Tech-Georgia Tech game, and now I'm going to Indiana. And then could potentially follow that up with another trip back to Blacksburg to see Tech play UVA. I haven't decided yet. So, I, you know, why stay home when you could just wear yourself out after long weeks of work? Uh, so, yeah, I'm going out to South Bend. That's the spirit. Uh, yeah, I'm going out to South Bend. I'll be out there Friday uh, for a full day Friday and Saturday, coming back home Sunday. But that's enough about my life nobody actually cares about. Virginia Tech-Notre Dame, uh, as far as the game's concerned, uh, Virginia Tech's a better team, but this is a game at Notre Dame. It's never an easy place to play. Uh, I always thought that Virginia Tech, uh, it, you know, when looking at the middle part of the season, especially after Virginia Tech did what they did to Miami and Pittsburgh, uh, it, it was pretty clear in my mind. And then seeing Notre Dame lose how they did to Navy and multiple other teams this season, it was pretty easy of me to sit there and say, yeah, Virginia Tech is a team that's definitely going to beat Notre Dame. I still think Virginia Tech's going to beat Notre Dame on Saturday. But I do think it'll be a little bit closer than we think. Uh, Notre Dame's defense has played better. Um, really since Brian Van Gorder was fired. But um, overall, I, I think the best the defense has looked has, has been um, two out of the last three weeks. They didn't look great against Navy. They looked good uh, the week prior, and then, and then they looked good uh, here this past weekend against Army. Uh, say what you will about Army, at least Notre Dame was able to stop that rushing attack, uh, which has been pretty solid all season long even though the caliber of opponent isn't obviously what some of their other opponents are or will be uh, next week when Notre Dame goes out to L.A. to play Southern Cal. Um, I, I think uh, Virginia Tech needs to bounce back here. Notre Dame's riding their first real positive momentum of the year, so to speak, um, coming off that Army win in San Antonio. Um, I, I think this has the potential to get kind of high-scoring, Joey. Um, I think Bud Foster's defense could could slow down Notre Dame's offense. I think teams have done a pretty nice job this year of slowing down Notre Dame, um, maybe giving up some yards, Ben, but don't break, uh, not allowing Notre Dame to get in the end zone. I could see that happening. Or I could see Bud Foster's defense having a little bit more trouble with the playmakers Notre Dame has on offense um, and have this be high scoring. I don't think Virginia Tech's going to have any trouble scoring on Notre Dame. Uh, they could throw on them. They can run on them. Um, you know, just 
show up and breathe, and you'll probably get in the end zone two or three different times. So because of that, uh, because Virginia Tech has the better defense and Virginia Tech has the better team, I think they're going to go into South Bend and beat Notre Dame on Saturday. But it will not be easy. I think Virginia Tech is probably only uh, three to six points better than Notre Dame, as crazy as that sounds. Um, Just because of, you know, Notre Dame's win this past weekend, Virginia Tech coming off a tough loss. The Hokies are a little bit banged up right now as well on defense. I think that could play a role in the game. Uh, a lot of guys are nursing nursing some injuries. Nobody's hurt enough to really miss the game. Nobody's significant anyway. But, um, you know, there are some guys nicked up here. So, uh, namely, Kenny Canem, uh, defensive end. He has a pectoral injury. He's expected to play, but he's one of the forces on the Virginia Tech defensive line. So my long-winded answer is I think Virginia Tech's going to win. I think it's going to be a close game. I think Notre Dame will have an opportunity to win this thing in South Bend. I don't think it's going to be a blowout by any means, but um, if Virginia Tech's defense shows up and shuts down Deshaun Kaiser, it could be a long afternoon for Notre Dame. I feel like stylistically and even somewhat talent-wise, Notre Dame kind of decently compares to Miami. If you kind of start thinking about it, that, that comparison actually kind of fits. I mean, Miami maybe has a little better run game, maybe a little better defense, depending on the week. But that was a game that Virginia Tech really thrived in. Um, their their defense can find a way to make another team one-dimensional. And if they can take the ball out of Deshaun Kaiser's hands and make Notre Dame try to win the game by running the ball, I think that's a bad formula for Notre Dame to try to win this game. Um Virginia Tech is going to have to bounce back after what was a rough game last week against Georgia Tech. Um, so you got to wonder, you know, where the m- mental state is at for guys like Gerard Evans did not have a game, good game last week. Can he bounce back? Uh, different guys like that. So the other piece of this that I think is worth mentioning is the this this is going to sound stupid because it's it's weird to call this a potential look ahead spot considering Notre Dame has to win all of their games down the stretch to be you know make that six and six bowl eligible point. But Notre Dame does have a huge rivalry game next week against a team in USC that might now win the Pac-12. They I mean they looked dominant against Washington last week. Hard to think that Notre Dame, especially at home and in a situation where they have to win every game, would be looking ahead, but that's a possibility. Uh, I'm with you, though, Mike. Give me Virginia Tech in this game in a, in a shootout. I think this is a high-scoring game, a little bit back and forth, but I think Bud Foster's defense gets just enough stops. I'll take Virginia Tech here, 38-34. Did you say 38-24? So... 34. 30, okay, nice. All right, cool. Uh, the internet almost worked there. <laughs> I got I got most of that score. Um, you got three out of the four digits. Yeah, no, that's that's cool. Close enough. Now, uh, yeah, it sounds good. I, it'll be a close win, I think, for Virginia Tech. This this should be a good game. I'm hoping to get my money's worth. I've I've heard nothing but good things about the South Bend environment. I don't know if you've been to Notre Dame games before. Fantastic. Highly recommend it. Even if you hate Notre Dame, not a Notre Dame fan, highly recommend the atmosphere there. I know Cam Underwood was there a week or two ago for the uh, Miami at Notre Dame game, so I believe we'll have to get his take on it next time he's on. Yeah, um, from Twitter, I believe he had some relatively positive reviews, but we'll have to uh, get him on to discuss the atmosphere there. Of the environment, not the game, I would assume. <laughs> right, because he hates Notre Dame anyway, and then his team lost. Yeah, sounds right. Go Miami. <laughs> Moving on, Mike, to Miami. 
the Hurricanes at six and four, three point favorites on the road at NC State, twelve thirty p.m. on the ACC Network Extra and watch ESPN. This is a weird line, and I want to I want to remind everybody that this is a game that we pointed out before the year that had sneaky, interesting, weird possibilities, just because. Miami might be kind of in a weird place at this point in the season. NC State is a tough road environment to go win in. Um, Miami is favored, and I think rightfully so. But I would, I kind of would have expected even a bigger line here. Mike is, is there something afoot? I mean, is there a reason for Miami to be scared here, or is this is this the wrong line? I, uh, I, th- I think Miami is. Uh... Seven to ten points better than NC State the way they've played the last few weeks. Uh, I think Miami is back to the early season version of Miami that, albeit it was against lesser caliber of opponents, but you know I think Miami uh, is better than NC State. I'm with you. I mean I think the line should be bigger. Uh, say what you will about NC State. I mean I think they'll play this game tough, but I think Miami because of Brad Kaya. Because the running game, more importantly, has really come on the last couple of weeks, I think that's really important. We've talked about that all year long. If the running game is going for Miami, they're a really different offense. Uh, There's not as much pressure on Brad Kaya. The offensive line seems to play better. Um, Defensively, uh, they seem to be more cohesive the longer they're off the field. Go figure. Uh, They're not as tired. Um, The running game of Miami, I think, will get the job done, and that's why I think they'll beat NC State. Um, I, I think if Miami puts up 25 to 30 points in this game I think NC State is going to have a hard time scoring enough to win this football game so I like Miami to go on the road to NC State and find a way to win I'm trying to think of a reason that I would pick NC State here definitively like objectively the only reason that I like them really is that this is a home game for NC State and as I mean, as we've figured out over the last couple of years, like NC State's not great. NC State's not particularly bad. They just they're a very average team. Um, man, and they come in at five and five. They need to win one of the next two to get to bowl eligibility. And due to wonky internet conditions, I cannot look up who their <laughs> remaining opponent is. But um, but that's why I'm here. Uh, that's why you're here. You got this. Um, uh yeah, I don't know if I like Miami outright in Raleigh. I mean, I guess I do. I think that they're the better team, but we've also seen some some rough patches from Miami this year that might suggest otherwise. Miami comes in winning two in a row after coming off of a four-game losing streak before that, so they're back to rolling. Uh, NC State coming back home after a win over Syracuse. Uh, who does Who does NC State have next week, Mike? They have North Carolina in the in-state rivalry game for season finale. Ooh, a little bit of a look-ahead spot. Yeah. On the road, too. Give me Miami. Yeah, give me Miami. I, cool. uh, I don't feel good about that, though. Picking them in the last home game of the year, senior day for the Wolfpack. Uh, yeah. I guess I'll take Miami here. I don't know why. I, I think that Miami's a better team. I don't know for sure. It kind of depends on the week. And... Miami's just played better even in losses? I don't know. This is a bad podcast, Mike. I don't I'm just like struggling through my own <laughs> thoughts here. Give me Miami thirty to twenty four. 
Minute, I guess that means they minute number twenty-seven. Joey declares this is a bad podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, strangely, he didn't figure that out when they started struggling with the internet in minute one and a half. Yeah, I caught about half of what you just said, but I'll take Miami to cover the spread. I don't know if that's what you said there, but Miami's going to cover. No, yeah, you pretty much said it all. That's pretty much it. All right, cool. <laughs> I cannot wait to listen to this. Time to move on, I guess. Uh, <laughs> let's go to Atlanta, Mike. Uh, the Virginia Cavaliers come in at 2-8. and eight. They're taking on my Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. Georgia Tech, an 11-point favorite at home, 12.30 p.m. on the ACC Network Extra and watch ESPN. This number scares me. This is a big spread. I've recently learned the hard way that I have no concept of how to uh, handicap Georgia Tech here. Uh, on any given game, they might win by double digits or they might lose outright. And therefore, I'm not going to pick who covers the spread here. However, I worry about a little bit of a letdown spot for Georgia Tech coming off a huge rivalry win that nobody had expectations for and got them some national attention. At the same time, they're getting back Justin Thomas and Freddie Burden by by all, I guess, all stretches of, of the imagination. It looks like those guys are going to be back. Virginia, good, not great. If if Georgia Tech worked out things on defense last week, like it looks like they did, even just simplifying their play calls and letting the guys play a little bit, I've got every reason to think that they'll be able to contain Virginia. Um, so I, I like Georgia Tech by a comfortable margin here on Senior Day. I think Georgia Tech gets to seven wins, goes into Athens next week against Georgia at seven and four. I'll take Georgia Tech to beat Virginia 31-17. So I guess they cover 11. Yeah, I like Georgia Tech to cover here. Um, you know, Virginia's defense is not very good. They have a couple of good athletes. Quinn Blanding is the one that comes to mind, obviously. Um, you know, hope Virginia has enjoyed him because he'll be leaving uh, for the NFL. Um, yeah, you know, I think... Virginia is just going to struggle with the Georgia Tech option offense. Because of that, I think Georgia Tech wins this game. They're getting everybody back. Your starting center, your starting quarterback. Justin Thomas will be able to run and throw on Virginia if he feels and looks healthy enough. Uh, give me Georgia Tech to cover. Uh, I'd like Georgia Tech to actually win this game by almost three touchdowns. Um, I think they're probably like 17 points better. I guess that's probably fair. I mean, I can't, I can't dispute that. We, we've seen Virginia give some teams some games at times that gives you reason for pause, I guess. But, I mean, at 2-8 and eight, at the same time, I mean, they, they haven't found ways to close any of these out. So I, I like Georgia Tech with a senior quarterback and some, some improving defense, hopefully. Who knows? Maybe that Virginia Tech game was just a blip on the radar. But, yeah, give me Georgia Tech here. Anything else, Mike? No, nah, I'm good. For the sake of our internet connection, I'm good. <laughs> we got to get through this as quickly as possible. Moving on, the newly minted number 17 Florida State Seminoles. Sorry, Noles fans. Yeah, sorry about that. Three touchdown favorites on the road at Syracuse, uh, 3.30 p.m. on ABC or ESPN2, depending on your location. Uh, this is a big point spread here, and we've talked about how difficult the Carrier Dome can be to play in, Mike, but... Somehow I think about this game, and the only thing that comes to mind is the thought of 
Dalvin Cook absolutely running roughshod on this orange defense, which has, has been average at best at certain times this year and generally not very good for most of the year. <laughs> They've been average at best at certain times, so really they were only average for like 12 minutes the entire season. <laughs> like, I think it's a fair assessment, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think Syracuse covers here if Eric Dungy plays. Yeah. Do we have a do we have like a an injury re- scouting report? It's not uh, like an injury report until Thursday, but like I saw, do we have any feelings? Uh, well I saw something uh, I saw something yesterday that Eric Dungy was reportedly getting a second opinion on his yeah. what was it? Is it an injured shoulder? Is that what it is? Shoulder sounds right. Yeah. And if it's not, it might be his leg or his hand or his head or something. He's getting a second opinion on whatever his injury is. <laughs> so uh, yeah, so it, truthfully, it doesn't sound like he's going to play as of Tuesday night, um, as we're recording. So I, uh, if Zach Mahoney plays Florida State by 35 or something, if Dungy plays, I think they could, like, backdoor cover. Like, I think Florida State is probably, like, still four touchdowns better, but I think... I think Syracuse could find a way to maybe backdoor cover, get this into a shootout, figure it out. But if Dungy plays, just zero chance to cover, which means they'll almost definitely cover, with or without Dungy. That's basically what that means. Man, I just the thing that sticks out to me is that the the one thing that you can really do to stop this Syracuse offense and and a lot of these schemes is really dominate the battle up front. Um, when, when you're on defense. And so I, I think that that's the thing that Florida State can do here with their athletes on the defensive line is if if by some miracle Eric Dungy ends up playing in this game, I mean, I, I still wonder if Syracuse is going to be able to score a whole bunch. Um, stranger things have happened. I mean, this Florida State defense is far from complete and far from perfect, but ultimately... Yeah, I mean, I think this is a big day for Dalvin Cook. I think you're talking at least 150 yards and three touchdowns. Um, I think that DeAndre Francois is going to be able to throw at a, at a decent clip here. Give me Florida State big here, like 45-17. Um, and I think that's, that's maybe best case for Syracuse. It might be worse if Eric Dungy doesn't play in this game. Damn. Sorry, Syracuse. Kind of a blowout. Kind of sucks at home, but Florida State's kind of good. That's why they play the game. <laughs> Don't you put that evil on Florida State, Mike. I, hey, they're number 17. I mean, by all indications, they're probably going to lose. Ooh, that's a good point. Well, have we checked the AP poll? Because I think it's the AP poll that Is the AP defines poll that. Florida State's probably not yeah. 17 in the AP poll. I'll check that. That might be about right, though. I don't know. I mean, the the one thing about the the college football playoff rankings is that the the bottom like ten, so maybe like sixteen through twenty five, is just kind of a free for all on any given week. Like the committee will put anybody in any spot, and then if you lose, you're out, and then if you win again, you're back in. Like, I got, I agree with you, and I got some bad news for Florida State. They are also number seventeen in the A people. <laughs> oh dear, oh dear, oh boy. We talked on uh, the recap show about not literally betting the house on a team to cover a spread. But if you were going to do that, 
kind of some BS trend statistics tell us that Syracuse is maybe the team to win this game outright. Yeah. This is not an official recommendation. Do not come to me for financial advice. That's a bad idea. Plus, I also However, said... <laughs> plus, I also said on Twitter, quoted a tweet saying that Florida State was three touchdown favorites, tweeted at you directly, bet the house on Syracuse. And then I remembered that Eric Jungie oh. was hurt. And I was like, oh, wait. Actually, don't bet the house on Syracuse. Yeah. Don't do that. Please don't do that. <laughs> that seems like a bad idea. <laughs> but really, bet the house on Syracuse. Oh. Hey, he said it, not me. That's right. Moving on. Moving on, Mike. Reasons, before we get ourselves in any more trouble. Reasons why I'm 4-7 and seven this year. Like, <laughs> there's, a lot to be, there's a lot to be learned from this season, clearly. <laughs> Moving on. The newly not winless in conference play Duke Blue Devils. Four and six on the road at the six and four Pittsburgh Panthers. The Panthers, a seven and a half point favorite, three o'clock on the ACC Network Extra and Watch ESPN. Man, as much as Duke has kind of made some good offenses look bad this year, namely Louisville and North Carolina, and you know the, the list might go on. Virginia Pittsburgh Tech. Un- they made Virginia Tech look Virginia bad. Virginia Tech. Yeah. yeah, we could go to that one. Uh, Unique as Pittsburgh is, I don't know if it'll translate as well. Duke is not going to do a whole lot of beating themselves, but I mean the fact that their defense can, the Pittsburgh defense can maybe take away the run from Daniel Jones and and Sean Wilson, make them throw the ball down the field, which has been an effective strategy to beat Pitt this year. In fairness, um, I'm just not seeing it in this game. As much as I'd kind of like to be able to pick, you know, Pittsburgh to be on upset alert here, the Panthers are at home. I don't know if Duke can follow up last week's performance with an equivalent one. I like the Panthers in this game, Mike. Um, Maybe say 31-13. Wow. I, uh, I actually disagree with you. I like Duke in this game in an upset. Uh, Pittsburgh. Yeah. Pittsburgh, uh, I don't think they'll follow up their performance from last week uh, in Death Valley. Uh, Additionally, Pittsburgh's uh, arguably the best player in their secondary, Jordan Whitehead, is now out for the season uh, due to injury. Broken arm, yeah? Yeah, maybe. Or foot or leg or something. Or hand. Broken bone. Or he broke something. (laughs) He's he's very injured. He will not play anymore. (laughs) He's very hurt. (laughs) He's he's very hurt. He's very hurt. He's very sad. Uh, yeah, no, I like. Uh, I actually like Duke in an upset. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I think Daniel Jones is going to be really good. You know, you and I have talked about this on this podcast, off the podcast. We both think Daniel Jones is going to be a big-time player. Uh, we've been saying it now for, I don't know, all year. Um, and Pittsburgh, look, they can take away the run of Duke, that's fine, um, but they can't take away the pass, and nor can Duke really throw the ball that well, but I think Daniel Jones can make enough plays in the passing game to maybe pull off an upset, so because of that, I love Duke to cover, and if they win, it'll only be by a field goal, maybe like 24-21 or something like that, I threw out a score prediction, which I don't like to do, but I'm pretty confident Duke's going to play well in this game. I think they're going to find a way. I think they're much better than their 1-5. Not Maybe not much better, but they're 
definitely better than their one in five record in the ACC. Um, I think this is, you know, at their ceiling probably a seven or seven. Eh, let's go with a seven win team. Um, I, I don't think they're they're quite as bad as their four and six record might indicate. I think that's fair. I, I actually, I think I'm going to upgrade Duke from my prediction. I'm going to give another touchdown. I, I think David Cutcliffe is always going to find ways to uh, to attack defenses properly. Let's make it 31-20. Nice. My my reasoning for still taking Pittsburgh here is they're at home. They don't have another you know big game on the docket next week. They've got Syracuse, uh, and if they win this game, that game that makes them an eight win team. I mean that's pretty good. Uh, Pittsburgh, as we saw again against Clemson and we've seen against several others, uh, they've they've found ways to score a lot of points against some pretty good defenses. So I think they're going to get that done again this week. Um, yeah, so I, I'm still taking Pittsburgh. Well, let's make it 31-20 instead of 31-13. I think it'll be a little closer, but I still think that they cover. Cool. Good with me. Disagree. We disagree, but it's fine. I'll allow it. we got to get through this. <laughs> <laughs> All right, last true conference game here, Mike. The newly minted number four Clemson Tigers, uh, fresh off that loss to Pittsburgh, 9-1, a 22.5-point favorite on the road at your Wake Forest Steeman Deacons at 7 p.m. on ESPN. I, I don't know what to think of this game at all, especially in the context of a three-touchdown spread. I'm tempted to like Wake Forest here. I'm scared that Clemson is just going to like take all, all this aggression and anger out on them in this game. Uh, I'm not convinced that Wake Forest is going to be able to score. I don't know what kind of mess their defense might make of the Clemson offense. Give me, give me a little bit of guidance here, Mike. What, what, are, we, what are we looking at in this game? Uh, well, if Clemson can run the ball... I, okay, wait a second. Let's start with this. Clemson's running game right now is a mess. Um, we kind of outlined that in the recap. They weren't able to run on Pittsburgh. It really cost them the game because Deshaun Watson threw the ball 70 times. Think about that. Um, that happened. That's a, that's a lot of passes. That's the most obvious statement ever. That's a lot of throws. Um, a record, even. Yeah, it, it was. Yeah. A record. That's <laughs> That's definitely what it was. Uh, oh my god, this is a train wreck. Clemson cannot run the football. Wake Forest can stop the run. If Clemson's able to run with Wayne Gallman in this game, Clemson, I think, blows out Wake Forest. Uh, I think that's ultimately the difference. I think Clemson can have their way throwing the football, but I think Wake Forest can, they can figure out a way uh, to make Clemson more one-dimensional, make Deshaun Watson throw it 70 times, which I don't think he'll throw it 70 times again, but say he did for argument's sake. Uh, maybe even throw it 55, 60 times in this game, and you really shut down Wayne Gallman. Um, I, I think Watson will actually make a couple of mistakes, throw the ball to Wake Forest. Uh, if he does that, I think Wake Forest can hang around. But that's the only path I see to success for Wake. I don't think Wake Forest is going to be able to run as nice a story as Cade Carney's been for the Wake Forest running game. I don't think Wake Forest is going to be able to run against Clemson. Now, I could be wrong. James Conner ran against them, you know, you know, ran well against them last week, but. Cade Carney is not James Conner. Uh, surprise, surprise. Uh, and anytime John Walford throws the ball more than, like, I don't know, five times in a game, you got a pretty good shot if you're the opposing defense. So uh, if Clemson, uh, by the same token, makes Wake Forest one-dimensional, uh, all the better for Clemson to cover. 
I think they do cover in this game. I, I've, I've loved the Wake Forest story all year long. I definitively named them uh, the Steam and Deeks. Really like their team. I think they're uh, they're a nice story. Are you, are you are you still conducting the hype train? Uh, it depends on when you ask. So <laughs> <laughs> every once in a while, obviously I, not this week. Not this week. Every once in a while, I uh, I hop on the train, then I hop back off. I'm like uh, Miami Heat fans when LeBron James played there. I'm just you know. Oh. I only show up for like the playoffs and Eastern Conference Finals and sad like trombone. That. Yeah, so that was probably pretty painful if you're not a basketball fan out there listening. <laughs> but anyway, you get my point. I'm a bandwagon Wake Forest fan, but I've also conducted the hype train. So get at me, Clemson by forty. Whew. Not by forty. <laughs> not, by, not by forty. <laughs> Clemson probably scores 40, though. Give me uh, uh, Clemson, will, Clemson will cover. Give me, like, 42 to 17 or something like that. You don't think Clemson's going to blow a 3-1 lead in this one? <laughs> While we're making obscure NBA references? <laughs> yeah. Like call, like on college game day every week, they have the Warriors blew a 3-1 lead sign. <laughs> Every that, that is the best. Every week without fail, and the, and now a newly emerging one for all you baseball fans out there. The Cleveland Indians blew a three to one lead, so that's Ooh, that's also painful. pretty brutal. You're not wrong though. No, I mean wow. Okay, so I've decided where I'm going with this, Mike. I've decided I am gonna pick your Stephen Deacons to cover a twenty two and a half point spread here. Nice. Uh, I might think differently if the number were like just inside of three touchdowns but i'm gonna i'm gonna take clemson to win this game maybe 31 to 10 got a lot of faith in that wake forest kicker huh to uh i do make up the three point difference yeah and i do and here's the other piece of this that i actually like wake forest for is clemson has a big rivalry game next week against south carolina that shouldn't be a tough win for them um but they obviously kind of came into touch with their own mortality last week in a loss against Pittsburgh. They realized that they they need to stay healthy and they need to beat South Carolina and they need to beat whoever they play in the uh, ACC championship game, presumably Virginia Tech. I think that there's a very real possibility that they let off the gas. They get a big lead, let off the gas, and whether Wake Forest pulls a backdoor cover or is just kind of held in check but keeps it close enough, Clemson doesn't need a huge lead to do that. We saw them do that against Georgia Tech this year. They were out, they only won that game by 19 with a pretty clear letting off the gas, you know, maybe late in the third or early in the fourth. So for that reason, give me Wake Forest to cover 22.5 in this game, although I still think Clemson wins it pretty comfortably. So are you conducting the hype train? Hey, I, I will stand in and I will conduct that Wake Forest steam and deacon hype train if, uh, if you're busy this week. I'm going to be in South Bend. There are no trains out there, I don't think. And even if there were, I'm not going to be on it. So, you I got thought, it. I thought a train was the only way to get to South Bend. Uh, it's like it's like Hogwarts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you uh, you hop aboard your local Sherpa and you, you hike there. I mean, I don't know. Horse and buggy. Uh... Trying to think of uh, trying to think of other ways to get there. Oh, you can also probably Uber. I think that's also a thing. So 
I would say let's move on, but then I realized that the next game we got to talk about Boston College four and six, a seven point favorite at home against the Connecticut Huskies. One o'clock on the ACC Network Extra and watch ESPN. And Mike, the most please excuse me, please excuse me while I jump out my window. Like, <laughs> God, oh man. Okay, so the the intriguing part of this game, most of all to me, is the total. The total in this game is thirty-seven points. Oh my lord! Right now, yeah. And I actually kind of like that to go under because I think both of these teams play decent defense and pretty bad offense. Yes. And this is the perfect formula for like a thirteen to nine, like fourteen to twelve kind of nasty knock him down, drag him out kind of game. So, first of all, give me the under thirty seven in this game. As far as who wins, Boston College is the home team, so give me the Eagles. Uh, I don't know if I necessarily like them to cover a touchdown. They on offense. I mean, they're going to try to run the ball. I, I don't know if Patrick Tolles is still the quarterback for sure. I mean, they made a change last week. Does I don't know. I don't want to talk about this game for too long. I'm just. I'm going to take the Eagles. <laughs> I'm not going to like it. I don't know that they cover seven, and I'm going under the total. Oh man, I'm sorry. The I don't want to talk we- about this game too long. Comment was just so good. Um, Mike, we've we've been doing this podcast for a while now. I think this episode is up there. It's up there. This is yeah. This is up there. Yeah. This is uh, this has been a beautiful disaster. This podcast so far. We're just about oh, fifty goodness. minutes in. We've just gotten into the good stuff here with BC and UConn. Um, it's the game we're, of the week. We're in mid-season form, you might say. Yeah, it's the game of the week here, in my opinion. Uh, you know, there's not. I got nothing but great things to say about Boston College. They're four and six. They're one and six in conference, and their basketball team opened up the season with a loss to Nichols State. Uh, you know their athletic department's in a great place right now. Uh, UConn, really bad football team. I love the under, by the way, while we're talking about it, which we really weren't. But I'll, you know, I, I like the under as well because, yeah, neither of these teams. Uh, conduct any semblance of a real college offense and uh defensively they're both i don't know their defenses are better than their offenses i guess is the best way to put it uh i know nothing about this game i boston college has miraculously gotten four wins on the season i think they're one of the worst teams in college football lucky for them so is uconn coin flip game uh Steve Adazio is, you know, going to be a dude, I guess. And he's going to try to make it – I almost said try to make a dude out of his quarterback. That wouldn't make it – that wouldn't make a whole lot of sense, would it? Um, yeah, give me BC to, to win this game. The, good for Steve Adazio getting his fifth win of the year. It'll probably be his last win at Boston College. And if it's not, then it's not. He's not going to be the coach anymore after the season, so who really cares? Can we talk about mildly terrifying thoughts here for a second? Boston College wins this game. That would put them at 5-6. and six. They would then be on the road in Winston-Salem next week playing the Steeman Deacons for bowl eligibility. 
and just I feel like enough could possibly go wrong for Boston or for uh, Wake Forest in that game that Boston College could somehow just back their way into bowl eligibility <laughs> in a in a season when they they deserve no piece of bowl eligibility. So, man, okay. really, we could blame this all on NC State, right? We really could, and also, yeah, we could really blame this on NC State. Man, that's another reason why Miami is going to blow out NC State. I don't think I even said that. I don't even think I said Miami would blow out NC State, but I'm saying it now. NC State lost to Boston College. Give me Miami. That should have been it. Uh, I'll allow it. Yeah. Okay, so here's a fun question for you because, you know, we're trying not to go long on this podcast because the internet connection sucks, so I'm going to drag it out as long as possible. If BC gets to six wins, does Steve Adazio keep his job? Oh, God. I Yeah. Yeah, I think he does. I mean, I don't know that he should, but he would. He, I mean, he resurrected a team from no conference wins all the way to two conference wins and ball eligibility, so, I mean, I guess. Does he fire Scott Leffler? <laughs> oh, I hope. After one year? I don't know that we can emphasize enough the fact that Steve Adazio was an offensive coordinator of, like, a national championship winning team and has also been the head coach over some of the most garbage offenses in college football the last, like, three years. Yeah. Like, how does that compute at all? It doesn't. Uh, Uh, A lot of people don't know that Steve Adazio was a national championship offensive coordinator. Many people just don't know that. I guess it's easy to look really good when Tim Tebow is your quarterback. That's right. Things that haven't been said in a while. Um, <laughs> He's a really good outfielder sure. now, though, apparently. Oh, somehow. <laughs> He's not a very good No outfielder. more tangents, Mike. No more tangents. No more tangents. Boston College, uh, at home, I guess. I don't think they cover seven, but I think that they win outright against a bad Connecticut team. Don't be surprised if they don't. There's This is, this is very much a toss-up, and I'm just going to take the home team. Final game, Mike. Uh, we're not really going to dive into this one. North Carolina 7-3 at home against the Citadel. 3.30 p.m. on ACC Network Extra and watch ESPN. Not a whole lot to talk about here. North Carolina needs to bounce back from a bad rivalry loss last week uh, before taking on NC State next week. This seems like a decent little tune-up game, kind of bounce-back opportunity for them. Um, I don't know there's really a whole lot more to say than, than that, really. So you got the Citadel? I mean, if if it were last week, that's what we're talking about. Um, nah, nah, give me North Carolina. They'll win. There's Easily. A sh- there's a shocker, huh? Um, over, over under 50-point margin of victory. Oh, uh, ooh, don't know anything about the Citadel. Couldn't tell you. Eh, I'll go over. I'll go over, too. I think Larry Fedora is going to get pissed off and just try to score, like, a million points. Uh, this is, like, a small tangent, but not really. Why are they playing the Citadel in a non-conference game in the middle of November? That's the really good question here. I mean, Well, they're following that SEC model. They're making up fake classes, and they're playing BS teams the week before Thanksgiving. Auburn's playing, genius. Auburn's playing some crap-ass team this weekend, too. I think they're playing, like, Al- yeah. Alabama A&M, if I'm not mistaken. Georgia's playing Louisiana Monroe, or something. One of the direction of Louisiana's uh Florida would have been playing like Furman or something but instead they're playing LSU because that's got scheduling got wonky oh shoot yeah I forgot about that that's this weekend 
This is this is what the SEC does, Mike, is they play garbage teams the weekend before Thanksgiving, and then they come into these rivalry games all fresh, and meanwhile, ACC teams are coming off these, like, brutal, you know, I say brutal as Georgia Tech goes to play Virginia, uh, these brutal conference, you know, slates, and they get no rest, no uh, no time to recover, nothing like that, and that's how these things go. That's because they weren't playing an SEC. Well, that's because they weren't playing an SEC schedule, you know, so they don't get that luxury. This is true. This is true. I say that both sarcastically and halfway seriously. (laughs) I mean, I was pretty serious when I said it. (laughs) It's annoying. (laughs) North Carolina covers 50 here. Uh, All right, last thing we got to do here, Mike, before we can finally uh, have mercy on everybody. Um, Odds and wagers, picks of the week. I want to say I picked first last week, uh, and between that and just my general... Lack of anything resembling success. I'm just going to go ahead and let you pick first this week. I'm not going to pick the under on the Boston College-UConn game because you essentially called dibs in the preview we just had about five minutes ago. So you get if that you one. wanted, it's all yours. I got I got another pick, actually, in mind. Oh, you do? Have. Okay. I'll take the under 37 on BC-UConn. Okay. That makes sense. I mean, there's not going to be a whole lot of offense in that game. Straight into the point there. Scott Leffler's running one of them. Um, we know how that goes. <laughs> Lord. This is one that might make me look really dumb, but I look at what I picked as a scoring margin and what the total is in this Duke-Pittsburgh game. The total right now is at 63. I, I mean, Pittsburgh is an offense that can score a lot, and Duke is a team that can take advantage of weaknesses on a, on a defense. But I think that these two teams, I think this kind of works out as a bad matchup for the both of them. As far as at least from a scoring perspective, um, I think that the defenses are at, a, at an advantage here over both offenses. So give me under sixty three in Duke Pittsburgh. I guess that gives me what nine touchdowns between the between the two teams. Yes, sir. Yeah, that seems like a lot. That's that's a that's a bunch. Thirty five twenty eight would be the the theory there, especially at a seven point spread. That that just seems like a lot of points. Um, I'm going to go under 63 in this game. Very nice. We did it. All right. We did We did do it. Mike, anything else before we get out of here? Uh, no. All right. <laughs> You're all free. You are free now. Just make sure that you go subscribe on iTunes. Do not rate or review us without listening to other episodes first because <laughs> this, this was not our masterpiece. So Sorry, everybody. And nor do I really believe that Week 12 is going to be the ACC's masterpiece, since we can tie that in a little bit. Um, however, we also said that last weekend, and then we saw you know everything go to hell. So you never know. Um, but some could say Joey's in hell right now, in the middle of nowhere in Texas. God, you have no idea. It's it's <laughs> something. Um, yeah, yeah. Another another story for another day. Anyways, Mike. This has been fun. Uh, enjoy the games. Enjoy your trip to South Bend. And uh, we will recap Week 12 maybe on Sunday, maybe on Monday. I don't know. Uh, we'll figure it out. Yeah. Let's try for Sunday. And then if that doesn't work, we'll just do it on Monday and give the people what they want or what they need. Whatever. That's what we do here. We give the people what they want except for, you know, reliable internet connections. Yeah. Hopefully so. uh, hopefully they'll still want to listen to us after this debacle. I. I would be shocked. Me too. All right. Thanks for hanging in there, everybody. Yeah. 
Thank you guys. You guys have been wonderful. All right. Until the end of the weekend, we uh, recap week 12. For Mr. Mike McDaniel, I'm Joey Weaver. Go ACC.